Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 185. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Welcome back to Therapy Chat. I've been away for a couple weeks and been very busy with both celebrating a milestone in our family that one of my kids graduated from college last week, two weeks ago, something like that. And also been very busy moving my office from the space that we've been in for the past three years to a new space that's larger for us to be able to serve more people. So very exciting, busy, and highly stressful times, but all positive things. So today is a little different from our typical therapy chat podcast interviews for a couple reasons. Today I'm interviewing a guest who is part astrologer, part psychologist, very funny, and very real person. Deborah Silverman. Deborah is a psychotherapist who's been in private practice for over 40 years, and she's also an astrologer. So I was really interested in how she uses astrology in her psychotherapy practice. What ended up happening was pretty surprising (laughs) for me, at least. And I was uh, allowing myself to be spontaneous. So we had a good time talking and um, it was it was extremely interesting. I can't wait to hear what you think about my interview with Deborah Silverman, but let's go ahead and get started. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member, please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with a fascinating person, Deborah Silverman. Deborah, thanks so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. I love that you said, I thought you said, welcome, we're doing therapy today. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. This is not a substitute for therapy. 
Everyone has heard that. That's part of my little show introduction. So yeah, no, we're not doing therapy, but I'm glad to have you here. I'm really interested in talking with you because I find it fascinating that you're a well-known astrologer and you're also a psychotherapist. So um, I love when worlds come together and I just like to start out by you telling our audience a bit about yourself and your work. So I started my fascination with psychology very young. I remember sitting in the living room at my aunt's house, Annie Franny's, and I was working with her and her husband who were having marital problems. It's so funny. I was 16. (laughs) By the end of that conversation, I distinctly remember this. She said to me, when you grow up, you should be a therapist. And I was like, that's right. And so that entered the beginning of my incredible, passionate love of going deep with people and really providing a space to be listened to and to hear. That was really at the same time, not long after, maybe two years later, I found myself deep into the rabbit hole called astrology. And I've married the two and came to find out that Carl Jung, who we all know was the grandfather of the word psychology, began in that era in the 30s. He was both a psychiatrist and an astrologer. And he was quoted to say, psychology will be a dinosaur science until it includes astrology. So he was always working with the stars. People didn't know it because it was kind of uh, obviously poo-pooed. People don't really believe in astrology. It's been left behind, although it's the oldest science on earth, 5,000 years old, the original science. It's been disregarded because religion came in and said, you can't listen to stars and make things woo-woo. You have to believe in God and you've got to follow these rules. So we left it behind and I have made it my mission this life to marry and reconnect these two masterful lands of the study of the psyche, the unconscious, the childhood wound, the baggage we came in, plus the cosmic imprint and the promise that you've made based on your spiritual angle. So I married the two and it's become now, I mean, I think they just fit perfectly. God, it's so exciting for me to see how many more. When I was in graduate school studying clinical psychology, I did do research on astrology and they were all just poo-pooing me like I was the weird kid on the block. <laughs> and and now I'm seeing more and more how popular and how open-minded people have become. And my very favorite audience is your audience is I've always wanted to say to therapists, look, I can make this whole process so much quicker because when you've got the chart in front of you, the suggestion of what a personality type is already in place. And when the client comes in and starts to tell you everything that's wrong with them, you can say, hold on a minute, here's the spiritual angle that will reframe what you consider to be a personality issue is actually a misinterpretation of a divine impulse that's human that you don't like. But if you begin to fall in love with your fate or fall in love with who you are using astrology, the whole therapeutic process changes directions from trying to change someone or give them directions to do things they can't do to really staying in their lane. Like this is what you need to be thinking about and reframing qualities that just don't go away. So it's really been my secret is I just want to work with therapists when I grow up and and teach them astrology. That's really what I've always said, but I haven't been able to do that yet because my school that I have is open to all people but I would love to do an exclusive program for just therapists at some point in my bucket list. Wow. So um, for the people who can hear you typing, they need to know you're looking up my chart right now, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, you do have your chart from me. And the first thing that stands out just while we're on the topic. Oh, no. Is you're just a mystic. I mean, I'm surprised uh-huh. you haven't studied astrology because your whole chart speaks to the fascination of the big picture. Like you have a really natural interest in wanting to feel people beyond just what they say, but actually getting underneath what they're saying. So interesting. And that really resonates for me because when I got out of grad school and I was like, evidence-based practice only. If it's not proven by science and the most strict terms, it's not real. And But there was a part of me that felt so dissatisfied with that and that there was something like missing. It just didn't have the richness. And I was finally began to explore how complementary and alternative approaches can fit in with psychotherapy, which is initially what this podcast was really about. And then it's kind of evolved into having that flavor with a focus more in trauma. But I don't know what (laughs) I mean, I don't understand about astrology. And I'm really glad to be talking with you because I've become more open to learning about it. And and um, I know that many of our clients who come into our offices have an interest in astrology or other metaphysical type things like psychics and you know and it's like they don't feel like they can talk to us about it because it seems separate right well that's my function this lifetime is to bridge because like you classical training they left no room for this and you can imagine when i went into talk to my supervisor and said i want to do a research project on the influence of the planets and mental illness and she was like what and I did do a research project, and it was unbelievable, the, the um, statistics and how clear it was that the chronic uh, mental patients that I worked with did have an astrological consistent ingredient that I was able to determine. But the big issue you're addressing is, if, particularly for your chart, is in, <laughs> in no uncertain terms. But this I is feel true. very exposed. <laughs> well, well, I'm not going to go into details. You really do have a mystic. You really do have a fascination with all things that are not visible. But because you probably really had to force yourself, because you have no earth in your chart, you may not know that. But in order for you to ground, you probably really practice being reliable, being on time, being practical, staying in the rules, because your chart, But if you were being your real self, you have a really kind of a whimsical, dreamy, floating, um, spontaneous, creative, you're kind of like a little bit of a fairy princess kind of here. <laughs> this is so funny. That won't pay the rent. So I'm sure you learned how to um, ground and I'm just giving you a heads up. And I bet you most therapists, I would confidently say most of us who are devoted therapists have a natural fascination with not just why people behave they do, but what's the deeper meaning. I mean, I don't know that everyone yeah. has, but I certainly did. Well, I think that's something that we may not know that we're curious about until, you know, I know there was a certain point for me, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but working with so much trauma and abuse, there was a certain point where I was like, but why? Why? If I can't understand why, then I'm not sure I can keep going. You know, not just why all these bad things happen, but just like, what's the, is there some purpose here? What's going on? And you know, that that was kind of a transformational time for me because you can either choose to go down the path that there is no reason, which is 
scary or you can say, let me get more philosophical about this and really think about the possibilities. And that helped me. (laughs) So you are such a philosopher in your chart. I can't imagine. And I remember this distinctly in graduate school. I just remember this vividly. This is 100 years ago. This is in the 1980s. And I am, we're going around the circle. There's 50 of us in graduate school. And we're asking the question, why are you studying psychology? And it got to me. And I, I was only, I must have been 20, I don't know, 22 or something. And I said, I can't understand why we know what's healthy. We know what we should be eating, that we should be exercising, that we should be independent. We should be standing doing things that are good for us. And we do all these things that are habitual, that are so unhealthy. And my question is, what part of human psyche, what is the human nature component that prevents us from staying in balanced equanimity, health, doing what's right? Like, I can't figure that out. Well, that was a deep philosophical question. Not what happened in your childhood, do you love your mother, but what's the nature of the human condition that supports us in being, always going the low road, always taking the gravity where you sink into the hardest most the sabotager the sad part or the depressed like what is that and I did over the years come to some answers but it certainly wasn't through my traditional training yeah well I will say this when I've had my chart read which was one time before today I when she was telling me about what was in it and this was someone I knew well and trusted I was so It was like very hard to stay with it. I mean, it was such an emotional experience unexpectedly. I felt exhausted when it was over. I mean, it was like we talked for an hour, hour and a half. And I was like, what happened? You know, it was really intense. And if it's not (laughs) meaningful in some way, why would it have been so impactful? You know, I, I honestly, I mean, this is so fun to be saying this in the chat when we're doing a podcast, but I honestly think it would really serve you to study. So we have a school, there's three levels. And the first level called level one, is just a six week class. We only have it twice a year. So one is in September and one is in January. And the course, particularly for your chart, but for therapists, it's like a shortcut. It's kind of like enough information that you can really identify. For example, There are four personality types, water, air, earth, and fire. And I've written a book called The Missing Element, and the subtitle is Compassion for the Human Condition. And in the book, there's a test you take where you find out what your missing element is. And then you go read that chapter to figure out how to cultivate that one. I always describe it like four wheels in a car, and one is down. And if that element is down, you're just not going to find balance. So in your case, I got the cheat sheet here. You have no earth. You have no earth. So- for you to be practical and money and organization and taking care of details. How is that for you? Hard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all audience. Now you're getting to know my real inner workings. Yeah. You're you're, don't spill your beans because we don't want your audience to hear. (laughs) We can't let them know. Well, well, I'm not going to tell them. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, the trick is that you have the gift of being able to use practicality when you're aware of it. When we're missing an element, it becomes really difficult to find your way to that element without direction or instruction. That's what my book is all about. So you particularly would love to read about Earth. Now, if you don't read about it, your life is still certainly still going to work. But my suggestion is to, to be able to learn the missing element and cultivate it and then use that not only as a therapist, but with your work. 
therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend therapy notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. I think the funny thing about that is that, you know, when I went to grad school and I heard about, I mean, it was hammered home big time about evidence-based practice. I was so like, yeah, tell me exactly. Okay, we do it all like this. And, you know, I was so into that, like, nope, it's not legit. It's not legit unless it's, you know, empirically validated by, you know, this very strict standard. And then, you know, I, I was too much that way. And it was, it was really stifling part of myself. So it was like, I grabbed onto it. And I went too far with it, that it didn't feel good for me. And it also didn't feel that helpful with my clients. You went too far on the practical stuff, you mean? Yeah, like too logical, too shutting off that other creative part of myself. You are a perfect example of what we're talking about in this interview. So what happens is if we don't have the language to understand clearly the blueprint that we came with, like it's kind of like driving in the dark. And so you were driving right towards Earth because you were kind of scared somewhere intuitively. You knew you didn't have Earth. So you were like, we got to really buckle down on Earth. But if you had the map and it said, don't go too far to Earth, you're going to find yourself losing yourself. You'll become unnatural. Mm-hmm. So the gift of, like I love working with children's charts. The gift of astrology is, as a therapist, is you understand their nature when they come in. And then once they're sitting with you, you have this ability to say, listen, I'm like, that's how it all started. I was in graduate school. I was in the therapy being supervised. I remember this so well. And every client, of course, comes in and tells you what's wrong with them. Like, this isn't working and that's not working. And I'd be listening to them going, hold on a minute. Can I have your birthday? <laughs> and then I'd look at their chart and I'd, go, and I'd say, no, no, no. It's not that it's not working. You can't do that. But you can learn about that. So, for example, let's be concrete. Let's say the person came in and said, you know, I'm socially really awkward. And I don't have the gift of being able to be around people. I feel very um, uncomfortable. And I look at their chart and they have no air, which is airheads, and social animals, and people love to talk. And then I say, listen, you don't have to feel bad about that. However, and this is what's in the book, The Missing Element. There are some instructions I can give you to cultivate that missing element and reframe what you think is a problem to being just a challenge. And by the way, you can't change a leopard's stripes. What you can do is you can understand them when you look in the mirror and go, oh, that's right. I love those stripes. And that's basically what a good therapy session should be is directive instructions to assist someone to clear their healing, their wounding. And that's another topic. It's separate from personality types because I know trauma is also one of my fascinations. Um, So there's two topics. One is supporting a personality type and encouraging them to really feel good about themselves. The second is mining or excavating a wound 
that from my point of view was put in place by your soul. So those, those, I call them stupid stories. Those stupid stories we all have of our parents being abusive or our father, our mother, our sister, our brother, or the teacher, all of those stories is the fertility. It's like, that's the, the nutrients that life gave that tasted terrible on the way in that have the means to turn into some wisdom. So I always look at trauma and pain also from a spiritual angle, not so much from the elemental conversation, but from the soul's question of, so what did you sign up for? Like, if this story repeats itself, you've been abused or you find yourself insecure or you have weight issues, that continually re- reappears because there's some teaching in this. And that spiritual angle as a therapist, and I this happened also in graduate school, I remember saying, I can't just do, do you love your mother? I want to ask the question, how did this karmic relationship get initiated to start with? What's the contract that you have with these people? And the most important question is, what's the lesson that was supposed to be learned out of this pain? Hmm. So I have a question for you. So how do we, I've heard people talk about soul contracts before, and I wonder how is it separate from telling people who've been abused like you caused this abuse because I feel like that's the wound that people have is that they feel to blame for the abuse they experience. But, you know, if someone's like beating a baby, there's nothing the baby did that caused them to deserve that abuse. Like, so how does, how does that fit with it? This is such an important question. And it, and I can't stand those spiritual, I call them fat sentences. Like, you create your own reality and everything's perfect and it's all meant to be. I'm like, are you kidding me? You couldn't have heard about trauma and right. true abuse to use those stupid fat sentences. It's all perfect. No, it's not. And back to the question you're asking. A soul comes in, and the quote that I learned in esoteric psychology, which was something I studied early on in graduate school, the bigger the soul, the bigger the teaching. So some souls come in with really heavy lessons. And I happen to be one of those. I came in with a lot of trauma. And I certainly would not say at any level that I was to blame or I had a you know soul contract that was, however, clearly based on circumstances, I had an opportunity presented by circumstances. I don't know how well organized that is. And I don't know if it's like there's a divine design and God inserted these crazy people in my life so I could get the muscles. But clearly without interpreting that, I had to have a big soul to find the compassion to forgive those people that abused me and walk away from it and turn the poison into wisdom. Now, I don't know about the philosophical question you're asking. It's a big one. Like, can you blame yourself? No, it's, it's more about simply compassion. I have compassion for me for having been brought up in that crazy world. I have compassion for those crazy people because they could allow themselves to behave like that. The compassion. Compassion is my favorite word, as it is the Dalai Lama. Like, as a human, we come with this unconscious mind that we as therapists know better than anyone. And in the unconscious mind is an array of circumstances that could be called contracts or could be called lessons. Use whatever word you want. The important part is those opportunities can either be the determining factor to keep you slowly sinking into the gravity pull of, I'm so sad, I'll never get out from under this poor me, better known as victim, or you seek therapy, you seek healing, and you know that your job, and it could be a contract with yourself, 
Your job was to not let pain or abuse continue. So the buck stopped with me. Like my children have no resemblance of what I grew up with. So was that a contract? Was it an agreement? Was it a spiritual path? I changed the story. And that's, I hope, what every therapist does for their client. Yeah. Well, I there's no there's no way I would disagree with the statement that, first of all, our lives are filled with suffering and pain, and that's part of life. But also that the tragic circumstances that we experience are opportunities. They really do help us grow in our wisdom as humans if we choose to do that work. So I have no qualms with that. I just always want to be really clear that, you know, I feel abuse is never the victim's fault. And never, I know, absolutely never. That's a never. I hardly ever use that word. Never the victim's fault. And the victim has a responsibility to their own evolution to find a way to forgive. Do you feel that they have to forgive abusers to have the... No, they have to forgive themselves first. The view, that's too, I find that hard. I'm not good at it. Some people are so good at forgiveness. Well, I feel like sometimes it can be a spiritual bypass to just be like, I forgive them. They didn't know any better. And it's like, well, have you really addressed how it impacted you before you jump to going ahead and forgiving them? I agree completely. I agree. I have, I'm not easy. I'm not good at forgiving them, but I've learned to forgive myself for the, what I did as a consequence. Mm-hmm. I've learned to forgive myself for judging myself for like, why did I have to pull away from my family? Like feeling bad that I wasn't a good daughter, but that was all. So I couldn't, I, I had a hard time until my mother died. I, I get along with her a lot better now that she's dead. I find her really lovely now, but when she was alive, I could not get to forgiveness. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So I've forgiven myself. That's the bigger issue for, for, not having the ability to stay close to her. I, I, there was no way I could do it. And I'm kind of glad I didn't, but I see a lot like my family, other family members have judged me. You know how that is when you've been abused mm-hmm. and then you, you step away and then people think you're not. Well, well, that's the big issue here is karmically. I had to reclaim my sovereignty and my style of a lifetime as compared to what my family handed me. And I had to sever. So I'm not sure you have to forgive that person that perpetuated it or was the perpetrator. That's a very high goal and something worthy of noble to aim for. But mostly you've got to forgive yourself and understand that, of course, anyone who's been abused or traumatized has consequences in their psyche. We go to therapy and I think it's noble. The best thing you could do is commit to therapy and say, I will do everything I can this life to clear out my unconscious. So I don't hand this to my children. That was all I was interested in doing when I had children. Yes. If one be, wants to become a parent, it's definitely, um, especially when there's been generational abuse and trauma, which is everyone. <laughs> exactly. Like who doesn't have that because of the, you know, in the circumstances of the times and the wars and the poverty and the oppression and all of that, it all, you can't separate it. But yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, I think that, I don't think that there's anything to blame yourself for when you've been abused, but it's a very common experience to blame oneself and to judge the way one responded to it and how they tried to cope at the time and how they 
tried to cope by maybe separating, distancing from family who weren't yet willing to look at their own behavior and for protection. And, you know, there's a lot of judgment about that. So I'm totally with you on that, that to give ourselves forgiveness and compassion for what we went through, what we had to do, or how we reacted when we didn't know any better. And how important it is to the astrologer to know your chart sensibility. Like certain people have a harder time to forgive. Certain people have a harder time to forget. Certain people are prone to depression. It's their personality type. That's really important to know. And that's not their fault or their family's fault. They're just gravity is affecting their psyche. And certain people are superficial and they're lighthearted and they laugh at everything. You're like, that can't be real. And that is real. So this is the gift of astrology. How do I let my client be so understood and so heard? And I train all my certified astrologers on my website have been trained by me. Now, they're not all therapists. There are trained therapists. And that's your audience is exactly who I want. I would love to do like a special for anyone that's a therapist to come to my school because when they're therapists and they're astrologers, that's a special breed. It's a hybrid. It's like they can do personality assessment, and then they can help clear out whatever the pain body is. Not all, I don't say astrologers do therapy. They, they, I'm very clear when I teach, you're not trained as a therapist. You're not there to fix it. You're simply there to identify the patterns and diagnose personality traits and help them fall in love with themselves. But you're not there to dive into what did your mom do? Yeah. And so I think what I hear you saying is that it's helpful to let the person see kind of what their nature is and not to fight against it, but to embrace it. Yes, exactly. Try fighting with the sun, try fighting with the mountain, try fighting with the wind. Good luck. There, there are facts of this life that are immovable and your personality is so, so, I mean, I wish, I hope that you get your chart done because your chart is so loud. I don't know if you knew that you have five planets in fire. I believe my uh, previous reading told me that, but I, I don't know. I it's been honestly, I had that reading done. It's probably been a year ago. And I mean, like I said, I love the person who did it. I I value it and I respect it, but I it's been hard for me to take it in. I'm not sure why. I can see why because your chart if it, 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 it's like a doorway for you to open that would require you to adjust everything. So oh, you no. And that's the last thing you want to do. You're doing your best to keep your world. You've got such a uplifted chart. You really love sharing information. One of your gifts is the communicator, obviously. It's your Gemini rising. But the, the and so when people your chart has so much strength to it, when it's understood not from a psychological point of view, but spiritually, it would be really an advantage for you to be given permission to fulfill your purpose. See that's all my life's work is as both a therapist and as an astrologer is to facilitate people's promise. Like, what did you come in with this life? That's what I look at a chart for. I say, that's all my school's about. It's not about, will you meet the tall, dark, handsome man or woman, or will you be rich when you grow up? My whole system is, what did you agree to do this life? And can I facilitate or help you remember so that I can help you get it done? And then there's this unbelievable fulfillment. Like, that's what happens in my school is I've got all these cute little cheerleaders that's finished school. They're like, oh my God, I fell in love with my husband. Or, oh my God, I finally did a relationship. Or, oh my God, I finally lost weight. Why? Because we gave you back to you in a way that liberated 
something that you were sitting on. That's what depression is. Depression is sitting on energy. It's depressing. It's pushing things down. As soon as your real self comes up and out, not always, because we know that depression can be chemical, but there are times when depression is simply the pushing away of parts of you that have been left behind. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, definitely. You know, from parts work and, and the shadow Jungian stuff, which is not my expertise, but I've had a few guests who've talked about that. Yeah. And the parts work is such important work. I do that too. So how do you use this with your clients? Do you, do you find out what they're, um, every, just like Carl Jung, Carl Jung told, admitted that every single session he did, the chart was in front of him. I'm exactly the same. There's not a therapeutic session I've ever done without the chart in front of me. I don't tell them. I don't speak astrology. It's unnecessary to speak a language that no one gets, but it gives me the clue. So if someone says to me, like in your case, you're going to hate this, but if they're scared, like you have something in your chart that is very clearly, you can scare yourself with your sensitivity is so extreme and you have to try so hard not to be caught by your sensitivity. You keep yourself grounded. So if you started telling me, you know, I'm really scared of spirituality, I'd be secretly thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh, it's right here in your chart. Don't feel bad. I'm very sensitive too. You're right about that. This is so weird, but fun. And I'm grateful that you're, I mean, for everyone who's listening, it was not an expectation that when we agreed to do this interview that I was getting my chart read at all. That was not, (laughs) that was not part of the plan, but you know, at least that wasn't part of my plan. (laughs) Yeah, see, but that's a great example. It's like I just saw the film the other night about Aretha Franklin. It was a documentary done in 1972 when she was um, unknowingly got filmed one night and they just released it after she passed away. So I'm watching this film and I'm captured. I really love gospel music. Mm-hmm. And um, all I wanted to do the whole film was pick up my phone and get her chart, which I eventually did before the you know, captions came at the end. I was like, oh my God, I have to know her chart. Oh my God. And sure enough, she was fire, as I expected, because she was so passionate. And I was so curious. I, it's very hard for me in life to not see the chart while someone's talking, including our president or including famous writers. I'm always, you know, and they're, they're all, by the way, online now. Everyone, you put their name in with the word astrology chart next to it and up comes their chart. So my life has been oh, made very, very happy now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. Deborah, how let's talk about your book a little bit. How does your book fit in with um, what you're telling our audience about? You know, you were talking about the the missing element. So how can a therapist use the book or how can therapists recommend the book for their clients to use? It's such a wonderful like I love watching therapists because I've gotten such good feedback. It's a simple, first of all, obviously, the therapist has to read it and figure out their constitution. What is your elemental constitution? And then you find out that it's a workbook. So in the book, very clearly is you get to see where your personality has some handicap based on your constitution. And then you can help your client. You can give them directions. And honestly, it's a fast, quick fix. I mean, I hate to say that because... I am one of those really thorough, deep thinkers, but it's as simple as, let's, for example, you have no earth. So if I said to you, I want you to go home tonight, I want you to clean out a closet, and I want you to clean out your car. I know it sounds ridiculous, and it seems like it's really simple and not really practical psychologically, but it makes a huge difference for someone with no earth to take care of practicality. 
and come back to therapy next week with your car clean. I mean, does that sound dippy or what? <laughs> Different. It's a very, so, so what I like to say is the four elements is a very ancient system. It's based on the American Indians, the four directions. In Judaism, it's called the four worlds. The Egyptians was the four elements. All of astrology was based on it. In Hawaii, the whole system is based on the four elements. So it's a very practical, hands-on kind of information body. It's not theory. Like if you're missing water, you are missing the ability to cry. Your tears aren't working. If you're missing air, you can't talk. You don't know how to lighten up. If you're missing earth, it's hard to do money and practicality. If you're missing fire, you don't have juju anymore. You're getting yourself stuck without the fun factor. So you figure it out, and the book really helps. And then just like it's crazy how fast people get results. So when you said I have five planets in fire, is that the fun juju you're talking about? Yes, but what happens when you have that much fire is you become self-conscious. So sometimes people with that much fire can't find their fire anymore because somewhere when you were a kid, you were so excitable, so loud, and so wild that you learned, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Relatable. Yeah. And then they then they shut down. And there we go. Here comes depression. So when you depress, when you sit on your natural instinct and you're not blunt and you're not rude and you're not funny and you're not bumping into things, then you lose the fun factor. So sometimes when someone has that much fire, they don't really have that much fire. And that's where the therapeutic part comes in. Interesting. Like what happened to your fire? Where did it go? See why I want to teach therapists so bad? I see. I just, it's my dream. I honestly, if I die before this happens, I'm going to be really mad. Wow. Don't let that happen. <laughs> I Make it so. I'm, I'm young and I've got uh, a whole future ahead of me. I'm not young. I'm in my 60s, but I, <laughs> I have, um, I have a very wonderful group of team on my my company, and they all know that's my ultimate goal. We've just been trying to get, you know, astrology is not popular, and all you therapists that have poo pooed it for good reason because it's superficial and it sounds like a lot of jargon. What I specialize in is talking English, and that's why I love the elements so much. So practical. Yeah. And when you mentioned how the different traditions have that four elements, you know, I have heard other people talk about the four elements and not always sure what they meant, because sometimes they're speaking about it from one particular tradition. Yes, but I made it really simple. Well, I think that's really cool. And, you know, I had no idea. Maybe everyone listening already knew that Carl Jung was an astrologist, but I had no idea about that. I know. I know. And now it's public. Everyone knows it wasn't public in the time period he was working because it was dangerous. His daughter executed all the charts because it takes a lot of math involved. So she was the one that came out many years after he passed and, and admitted that he always had a chart in front of him. And then when you see the mandalas, and you realize everything was in circles, that he did this extensive study of mandalas and that his system was based, the Meyer Briggs, was all based on water, air, earth, and fire. They they blended those systems, which was astrology. It starts to um come out. But yeah, Carl Jung, I know. I found that when I, I remember where I was the day that I heard the lecture by Richard Tarnas. He's a, um, I think he's a psychiatrist and he's an astrologer. And when he said that about Carl Jung, I went like, wait, he was an astrologer? How come they left that out? Right. It kind of makes sense with the archetypes and, you know, just sort of how those things sort of fit together. So just to 
follow on with that. Where, when you said that when you see the mandalas, where do you see this? Oh, all his mandalas? Yeah. I don't in know about red, that. In the Red Book, all of his art. His art was always mandalas. He, he was a really, you know, his artistic ability. So he was always speaking about mandalas. In the book of um, symbols. Oh, I don't know what it's called. You know a lot more about Carl Jung than me, but you've, I'm always curious and you've really sparked my curiosity even more. I'm this. glad that's my, you, by the way, you have an endless curiosity. And I, have, <laughs> I have got to finish our session here soon because I've got someone coming in, but I just want to say that I, I'm so grateful for this interview and I hope that your listening audience will see or consider, just be open-minded enough to consider how would astrology complement your therapeutic practice? Thank you, Deborah. And where can people find you and all the wonderful things you're doing? Well, my website is just three words, Deborah, D-E-B-R-A, DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. So it's quite simple. I have a platform called TheStarCommunity.com. It's a, a membership site where if you don't know astrology at all and you don't, the classes only start twice a year. So we started the membership site so people could learn for $22 a month, like all this month will be the sign with a deep dive and an interview and some really good videos. And it gives you a, like a library, an archive library of all 12 signs. So that's another one. And then my book, The Missing Elements. So those are the three doorways. The school you can find out about from my website. As soon as you go to Deborah Silverman Astrology, that's where my book is if you want me to sign it. You can get it from my website. You can also go to Amazon. But I will put your chart in the book if you buy it from my website. Oh, you just sold one for me. <laughs> I want to hear what you think about the book. I'm so excited. That makes me so happy. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and that you what you shared with us and being willing to explore those questions. And I'll put all your links in the show notes for everyone and hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much. You too. You have a beautiful day. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Deborah Silverman. See what I mean? That was fun and surprising and definitely got me intrigued. I, you know, I've been curious about astrology, but never really gotten too deeply into it, despite the fact that I had a reading done by a very special trusted friend who's a Jungian analyst or a Jungian depth psychologist, actually. Anyway, in spite of that, I I really haven't looked too much into astrology, so I enjoyed talking with Deborah today. As always, I appreciate you listening to Therapy Chat, and until next time, take care. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.
Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, Therapy Chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.